Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. So excited to be back with you all today in your car, on your radio, in your headphones, wherever you are listening. We have a fun show for you today. We'll be talking about The Atom Project on Netflix, Kataro Lives Alone, also on Netflix, and Disney Pixar's Turning Red. Yes, we went back to the theater uh, to watch this limited release of Turning Red. As you probably are aware, Turning Red released on streaming predominantly, but they were a few awesome folks at Pixar that opened up the viewing in uh, select locations. And there was one opened in Oakland, California at the Grand Lake Theater that I happened to watch this film at. And it was a beautiful and fun ride. And we'll start there. Now, Turning Red was created, written, and directed by Dome Shi. Honestly, is amazing and created a very beloved and interesting Disney short, Bow. If you recall, that was one where the woman uh, going through empty nest uh, syndrome uh, ate a dumpling that resembled her children. Uh, It enthralled and scared a lot of people, but it was beautifully uh, directed, and she has the chance to direct a bigger film, and that's where Turning Red comes in. Uh, this film stars Sandra Oh, Rosie Xiang, uh, Washing Ho, and James Hong, just to start off with a few of them, and everyone in this film was fantastic. Now, the plot of this film is a 13-year-old girl named Eileen turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. There you go. That's all you need to know, folks. Young girl gets excited. Panda. Hands in the air. But there's more to that, of course. And it has, honestly, of course, those Pixar layers that we uh, just come to expect from Pixar. And the film adds um, a lot of newness uh, to the content they choose to cover. And as I said, the film is fantastic. And not just, you know, because it takes place in 2002 during the great boy band era. uh, But this is a film that takes Disney animated films where they haven't gone before. uh, And it feels real. It feels fresh. You know, this film does focus on a 13-year-old girl, but they focus on her as she goes through puberty. And and the film is all about how she chooses to navigate discovering who she is and what makes her happy, which, you know, films tend to go down with. And Disney absolutely is great at following young women going through their their growth period. But this is interesting to watch a film where they talk about a young girl being infatuated with the opposite sex in a very physical way, where uh, they talk about uh, periods, where they go... They pretty much take this PG rating to the limit that they can take it to. But it's a film that shows this young woman who is suddenly horny for boys and doesn't know how to talk about it with her parents, which is new territory for Disney Pixar. And it was very interesting to watch this film take place and to get all the humor because it does take place with this girl in middle school right during that time where hormones are just erupting all over the place, which I think is a great uh, reminder for me that, you know, 
Disney is growing up. And I know in past uh, podcasts on this and on Geek Force, I've said that Disney seems to be incapable of growing up. But it seems like this director, at least, is trying to have Disney grow up. And I have to say, I was surprised they took that leap. I would love to see this film get a theatrical release, a release that opens up across theaters across the country. Um, just to really show that Disney is standing behind this film and supporting it in a very strong way. But of course, as you watch this film and then go on to social media, you can see why Disney was hesitant to kind of be behind it full force. You know, this film, again, talks about puberty and periods, and it seeks to also tell families, hey, you know, there's a need to establish respectful lines of communication between uh, a child and a parent. And nah, not for the hardcore parents out there on the internet. They, they're not here for it. You know, they, they want that, that child to listen. And if you talk back, it's just respectful. You talk about puberty, not in my household. And if you simply take a stroll through the comments, uh, you can see that this film definitely angered a particular group of folks uh, who have a lot to dislike about a film like Turning Red. And it goes without saying, I truly hope that Disney takes more chances on films like this. This film felt, it felt out of place in the normal uh, Disney Pixar cookie cutter monotony that we kind of come to expect from them. This is a film that definitely shook things up and it felt refreshing to see a film that really was out of left field, so to speak. And again, like I could care less about Buzz Lightyear and the rest of the Toy Story gang. Like, let's be real. It's 2022. Leave those toys at the bottom of the toy box. We got to move forward. Loved them in the past, but we don't need to see another Toy Story spinoff movie. It's time to move on. Uh, and I hope that Disney chooses to um, look for and seek out these creative minds and invest in them in their studios and create content that's outside of the norm that is ground pushing you know and i want to give a shout out to a good friend of mine Lindsay, who works for disney who is an amazing creative and innovative thinker an artist she is someone that i have no doubt will change how we view animation and i look forward to seeing what she creates and i truly think that it's going to be a blessing for our eyes and i hope that disney is listening and supports all of Lindsay's projects because she is amazing Amazing. So Disney, I hope you listen to the people who like this film and why they like it. And I hope you choose to ignore the Karens and the Kins of the internet uh, so you don't continue to make the same choices. And I we see more stories like Turning Red. And again, y'all are already moving into, you know, mature content. You just added that uh, uh, new parental guidance on your streaming service because you want to show Jessica Jones and uh, the whole crew of them having sex and doing cocaine so you can you can stand to grow some more in these small family films come on you got the money you got the time for it and next up we have kataro lives alone this show is truly bizarre it's it's based on uh, a manga by mami samura and it only has about 10 episodes about 20 minutes of pop 
but it follows a young boy who chooses to move out of his parents' home and strike out on his own. You know, it's uh, he moves next door to this guy named Shin, who's a manga artist. And Kataro, again, lives alone. He, you know, is just by himself, but he seems to have a job. Uh, he seems to pretty much have his, his life on lock as a child. And it just kind of is all about him showing the adults around him that, like, this young child is better at adulting than you are. But also, of course, hides some, you know, underling uh, sadness of this kid who doesn't feel like doesn't feel like he's ready to be back with his parents just yet and is being raised by these friends he made. It's very interesting. It's very strange. Uh it's very anime, I would have to say. It's just very anime to see that there's a small child who's living in an apartment by themselves and no one's like, hey, no, where's your parents? We need to call CPS. You need to go home. You need to have someone watching over you. Only in anime can a small child be like, yeah, I absolutely am going to rent this apartment uh, and hold down a job and no one's going to question me. They're all going to be like, great. We're going to look the other way. This makes sense. No questions asked. We're good. Uh, and if you're looking for, again, if you like bizarreness, this show has bizarreness for you. It has it in in spades. You will walk into the show and you will leave with so many questions and so little answers. And I can't even like, I, I, I'm trying to, I, I want to describe it to you, but I also feel like this is something that you just need to watch because it's just so strange uh, in its sincerity. You know, it, it delivers these very poignant moments around like around finding family with the people that are closest to you and around having this uh, solid cohort of loved ones that will be there and have your back. But they also throw in a bunch of, a, of random anime things around uh, bizarre moments of like, that's a coincidence of uh, certain instances happening with animals that just seems like that animal's out to get you for some apparent reason. You just got to watch it and just... Just revel in the randomness that is this show because so random. It is so random. But I got to tell y'all, it is so fun. So definitely check out Kotaro Lives Alone on Netflix and just strap in for how strange the show is. Also, fun fact, this child owns a weapon and just has it. He just has a weapon on. He's just, he just, he has his little knife on him. Homeboy is protecting himself in the streets because you got to in the anime world. So check that out. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And lastly, folks, we're going to talk about The Adam Project. The Adam Project stars Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Gardner, yeah, you you heard that right. 30 going on 30. Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, Zoe Zaldana, and Walker Scobo with Catherine Keener. And I'll be the first to say that this film surprised me. Now, it didn't surprise me because it's Ryan Reynolds and Netflix. Because Ryan Reynolds and Netflix seems to go hand in hand. He's in The Bodyguard. He's in uh, that Red Notice movie. He had Free Guy. Like it wasn't on Netflix, but he's just Ryan Reynolds and he just plays Ryan Reynolds all the time. And honestly, if I can get paid to not really do any other accent but my own and just be sarcastic me, I'd take that check too, wouldn't you? And so this film is directed by Sean Levy, who met with uh, our good buddy Ryan Reynolds on Free Guy. And apparently after they wrapped that film, they talked about 
doing another project and enters the Adam Project. And it's a film about time travel where, of course, main character Ryan Reynolds uh, is going back in time to meet his younger self. But of course, he's not going back in time to meet, to meet his younger self on purpose. He's going back in time to uh, just to, to solve some space-time issues that, that, that need his attention. And I'm not going to give you too much information because it's important you go into this somewhat blind. But what I do want to discuss is the, the talent that Ryan Reynolds delivers in this film. Now, it is surprising, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I do think that Ryan Reynolds as an actor, we all see him as just playing variations of Van Wilder, who Van Wilder is Ryan Reynolds. He's great at doing the quips, the fast talking. That's just his whole shtick. Um, And so it was refreshing to see some newness in this role, but newness not specifically for for him. Newness in that he had this amazing co-star, Walker Scoville, who had to be a younger Ryan Reynolds. And because he's a younger Ryan Reynolds, he has to speak like Ryan Reynolds. Meaning you now have adult Ryan Reynolds doing the quips, the fast talking, the inappropriate jokes to a younger version of himself who is also doing the quips, the fast talking, and the inappropriate jokes. And quite honestly, it worked really well to watch this child just deliver these killer one-liners to a Ryan Reynolds character that we're used to him delivering this to other people. And this child actor honestly delivered 10 out of 10 performance in this role. He was really amazing at it. And you could, you could really say, yeah, this, this kid absolutely is Ryan Reynolds. This like the cadence alone is just uncanny. And I think this film also avoids um, some of the, it, I, I wouldn't say it avoids. It definitely dances around some of the tropes that come with time travel films. You know, we've seen some of the more serious ones, like the butterfly effect, where no one's having fun in that one, uh, till of course, like Back to the Future. This one definitely is aware of what it is. It's a time movie. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not trying to introduce any newness to the role. There is a point in time where we, of course, have the ob- obligatory, what kind of time travel is this? And Ryan Reynolds, of course, just says, like, it doesn't matter. We just need to solve this problem because, great, we don't need more, you know, timeline discussions around your past is now your present and your futures. We don't need that. We just need you to focus on what's happening at hand and deliver us a good and compelling story. And quite honestly, this delivered that for me. I think I thought it was going to be all action and no substance. There definitely was a lot of action and it does the action well. It's a, it's a, it's a Netflix big budget film starring Ryan Reynolds. So of course they can afford big budget. They can afford the spaceships, the laser guns, the lightsaber adjacent uh, things. They can't afford Lots of great CGI, um, and you'll notice that towards the end of the third act where that's like, oh, that's really bad CGI. But for the most part, they're delivering on some high-quality stuff. Uh, And what was really interesting is with the introduction to uh, Mark Ruffalo in this role in this film, there is levity that happens in this with Ryan Reynolds. We see him at a certain point have this dialogue with his younger self in a very, very heartwarming kind of way. He calls 
his younger self out and says to him, you're so young. And because you're so young, you don't understand a lot of things around you. So the way you behave, all these jokes you make are a way to hide yourself from the world. And by doing so, you hurt everyone around you to keep yourself safe. And in the same scene, his younger self calls him out by saying, well, you're older and the hurt you experienced has calcified who you are. It has allowed you to build up this shield around yourself. And because that's now become your entire identity to be this, this person with this shield, you look back on your past and see everyone as a bad person. And as bad people, you know, you came out you came out okay. And they all had to remain one type of way because you are so used to seeing them in that way because that's the foundation for which your personality has now been built up to. And you have them both giving each other this feedback and this scene that just feels, it touches on so many different aspects of who we are as individuals. Like, yes, we can look back on ourselves being young and think like, oh man, like that was hard for me. No one understood me. Uh, people were were mean to me, and I evolved to like adapt and be adaptable and protect myself. But what would your younger self say to you, having just been in those moments fresher, and you being so far removed from them? Are there things you're you're missing on? Are, are there things that you didn't notice uh, when you were in that moment that as you grew older, because you're so far away from it, you no longer have that memory fresh and you've adjusted it because now your personality has become more set. And now you can't really think about that past moment looking differently because it's been so long from, from now. And it has added, I think, a much better layer of time travel. Like it wasn't focused on like, are you rich? Are you getting married? It was really focused on this moment of therapy where you had these two characters counseling each other as the same individual, giving one another counsel and hoping to like affect change in one another in two different time periods. And then to wrap all that up into this amazingly uh, directed bow, there was this beautiful scene that was so heartwarming that I have never seen out of Ryan Reynolds ever. When I think of Ryan Reynolds, I think of he's a guy that, you know, you can't really take seriously in films because he's just there to be funny. Any moment of sincerity, he'll like often insert a joke to kind of like offset it. But there was a point where he's having dialogue with Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo is giving him, is delivering this line of feedback to him that is designed to disarm him. And at first you see that the character that Ryan Reynolds is playing, you know, deflects it back. But then Mark Ruffalo keeps delivering the same line of dialogue, very similar to um, Google Hunting, where he's delivering the same line of dialogue. And you watch as Ryan Reynolds' character, you watch as he goes through different sets of emotion. You watch him go through um, the shield. You watch him go through reflecting on the hurt that he experienced in his life. You watch him go through the regret. You watch him go through fear. And then you watch Ryan Riddles in one whole scene go through those. And then you watch him break down and cry. And I was completely misty-eyed from that entire scene, even shed a tear or two, 
I was not prepared to see Ryan Reynolds in this light deliver this type of acting before, you know, and that's on me. You know, I definitely didn't give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. I didn't think he could have the range. I thought this is person. This person is an action comedy star and he's going to deliver action comedy. We're not going to get emotion out of him. But in this specific scene, he gives you that emotion of someone who is holding up humor as a way to protect himself. And the character that Mark Ruffalo is playing is the key to unlocking that and getting to the child that's inside of him that wants to be loved. And once that feeling is touched on, once that emotion is there, to watch him go through that grief in that moment is, uh, it was amazing. Like, I don't know if he'll get an award for it or what, but he deserves accolades for what he did in this movie. Uh, The Adam Project was fantastic. Uh, I absolutely had a blast watching it. And if you are someone that is looking to watch a Ryan Reynolds film that has a lot more substance to it, I cannot recommend this film enough to you. It's a 9 out of 10, which is a lot. It's not a perfect film. It has its tropes, but I honestly think that what's the saving grace of this film is Ryan Reynolds and Walker Scoville in this film. They together are a pair that works so well, and you will be blown away by these performances. So Adam Project, 9 out of 10. Kataro Lives Alone, I'll give that a 6. And as far as um, Turning Red, that right there is also a uh, 9 out of 10 movie. Uh, go check out those films. You can watch Turning Red on Disney+. Plus. It's streaming. Kotaro and The Adam Project are both on Netflix. Uh, definitely give it a watch. Add it to your queue. And thank you again for being here with me, for allowing me to grace your ears with my voice. I look forward to seeing you next time when we have more things to watch, more movies. And if you're listening and want to hear me again, we will be recording Geek Force next week. We took a week off because there's just so much content out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. So look forward to having us come back again next week with a ton of content for you. I've been Marlon. You've been hanging in the corner with me and we'll catch you next time together on Marlon's Corner. Peace. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.